Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, once again this morning. Even as we hear in the house of the Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would speak to us, strengthen us. Father, sanctify us a little more by the washing of water by the word. This morning, set us apart through the ministry of the word. You told your disciples, O Lord, you are clean because of the word. But not all of you. I pray, Lord, that there will be none of us whom you would say, not all of you. And therefore, I pray, Lord, let your word do its cleansing work. Sanctify us so that we can become the spotless bride without spot or wrinkle. Ready for the master when he appears. For your word says, those who have this hope will purify themselves even as you are pure. Therefore, this morning, O Lord, touch us, anoint us, set us apart, continuously prepare us for the coming of the Lord. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 24, uh, last time. I was sweating till I'm shivering. So S is constant, okay? Matthew <laughs> chapter 24. Uh, we're looking at preparing for ourselves for the last days, I mean, for the coming of the Lord. And verse 4 onwards, this is what Jesus has to say when the disciples come to him privately and ask him, what will be the signs of, his, of the times, especially of the coming of the Lord? And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 onwards. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my sake. And then... Many will be offended. It says many will be deceived. Many will be offended. Will betray one another. And will hate one another. Verse 11. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I mean, you see that one thing which is constant? Though many is... Uh, an adjective. <laughs> you know, I'm teaching the children uh, nouns, adjectives. I did not realize that numbers are adjectives. <laughs> How many means three is an, three becomes an adjective. It takes a form of the nine noun you try to describe. Describe. And he says the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because lawlessness will abound. And then, of course, uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be uh, preached in all the world as a witness. And then. What what will happen? What will come? The end will come. So before that, something will happen to the many. First, there will, many will be deceived. Many will be offended. And lot of people's love for God will grow cold. That Those are the three attitudes that he wants us against. 
deception, offense, and lovelessness. And, th- and they're all connected actually. They, they, they are not, uh, um, they're not mutually exclusive. They all go together. So today, this morning, we'll look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. Morning pastor was talking about, let us not be those people who will betray. What is the fundamental reason people betray? What is the core reason? Betrayal is the effect. Something else is the cause. What is the cause for the betrayal? Many will be offended. And therefore, they will betray. You see, why did, why did Judas betray? He was offended. He was offended. What, 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 how, when was he offended? Why was this money, in, uh, this uh, cent not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And Jesus just stopped him and he said, take it easy. He immediately was offended. He chose to betray. Offense. That is one thing, one of the attributes of, I mean, it's, it's there for all of us. Offended so easily. So this morning I just want to look at offense, causes and cure. Offense, causes and cure. How do we, why do we get offended? And how we should guard our hearts against offense? Because if you think that you will not be among those who will betray, take heed. Exactly. That's exactly what the disciples said. If even if everybody forsakes you, we will not. And then it's, Jesus says, many will you, many of you will be what? In Mark's Gospel chapter 13, he makes a very powerful statement. He says, many of you will be offended. Or 14 if I'm right. Offended. And they, and they ran away. And they quit. The word for offense is very interesting. The word for offense comes from the Greek word, which is, sounds like scandal, scandali, scandal, scandalizo, if I'm, if I'm right. Scandalon is a root word. To get offended. To be scandalized for Jesus. Hmm. It's a scandal. So let us look at the causes. Many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. If you look at where did offense start? It started in the Garden of Eden. Oh, actually, actually, start in heaven. Sorry, the one guy who got really offended was Satan. He was offended. Hmm. How come I've got so much of beauty? A lot of people. There was a, there was a, there was actually a bunch of guys who were praising him too. And then he said, "I wanted to be like the Most High. This is iniquity." He said, "This is, this is, this is unfair." And then, of course, he was thrown down, and he, he injected this poison into the human race. Adam and Eve, they were, they were the first people who were offended. And because of offense, ultimately what does offense do? It leads to betrayal. Look at what the devil has to say about Adam. In Luke's gospel chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil 
taking him upon a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory for this has been what? Delivered, the word is actually betrayed to me. Who betrayed it? Adam betrayed it. Adam was the one who betrayed all this authority. You gave him the authority. We saw, we was, uh, sister, um, uh, Priyanka was leading us in worship. This was saying, she was saying, you made us little lower than the angels and you crowned us with glory and, glory and honor and you gave us dominion over all the, all the creation that you, that you made. And Adam was created and he was given authority and he was given the, 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 the office by God to rule and to exercise, exercise dominion. And then when he fell, he betrayed that authority and that dominion to over to Satan. The first betrayer was Adam. It started there. That is the reason why in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at what it says. The connection between deception and offense and betrayal. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is uh, Paul's cry for the Corinthian church. This is what he says. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly and indeed you you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And then he goes on to say, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent, what? Deceived. Eve by his craftiness or, or by his subtlety. So your minds may not be corrupted from the what? Simplicity. You know, um, Derek Prince made a powerful statement. He said, the opposite of simplicity is duplicity. It's a remark- remarkable statement. You just think about it. It's a very simple statement, powerful statement. It's a, it's like a math maxim. Right? He says, the opposite of simplicity is duplicity. So what happened? He deceived him. And then what did Adam, Adam do? Oh, he told Adam, you see, God does not want you to be like him. So what did Adam and Eve get? They got offended. And then what did they do? They betrayed their God-given position over to Satan. And they chose to come under his dominion because they heard his voice. The NIV translations will say, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. You see, you need to understand one of the most important um, um, ministry is the ministry of preaching. And the, the ministry of preaching, the most important, I believe, is the ministry of preaching because it sets the, it sets the doctrine in the church. And the goal of instruction Paul says in 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, he says, the goal of our instruction is love. What is it? Love. But love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from unfeigned faith. You see, the three legs upon which love has to be built upon, and this is the goal of instruction, that means this love has to be taught this is not emotional. This is not something which is not uh, which is not natural for us. The spiritual man has to be taught. He has to be discipled in this love. Okay, because the goal of instruction is what is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from unfeigned faith. Therefore, it says they were led astray from their pure devotion to Jesus Christ. They became 
pretenders, hypocrites, if you will. Again, you'll see this, another person who got offended. It just gets worse and worse now. Now, this time he did not even just betray, he just killed. He went one step ahead. This is Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? You see, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you, but what should you do? You should rule over him. That is that is what is uh, the desire of Jesus as well. He says, you know what? Since is, sin is couching at the door, but I've given you the grace to overcome sin and to master sin. But don't be mastered by sin. Why will you be mastered by sin now? Because you are offended. That I did not, did not accept your offering. Now you became... You become jealous of your brother. You're offended. And then what does Cain do in Genesis chapter 4 verse 8? Look at the duplicity. I I told you, right? The opposite of simplicity is what? Duplicity. Abel represents a person who's who's got a simple and a pure devotion to Jesus Christ. A pure heart. A pure hearted person. Note, is absolutely transparent. His devotion for Jesus Christ is... Is is clean. I mean, you you'll see that in the in the way that he approaches God with the best. So God looks at Abel and his offering, and then God testifies. It says God testifies of his offering. How does he testify of his offering? When a lot of men of God who write commentaries, they say he testified by consuming the sacrifice of Abel by sending fire from heaven, and he allowed the sacrifice or the offering of Cain to rot. So one was allowed to rot because it was a stench in God's nostrils because it's coming from a duplicate heart, a heart which is full of guile and hypocrisy. And one is a heart which is transparent, which is without guile. And look at how this innocence is is, is made manifest. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. This is the NIV translation. Then Cain said to his brother, brother, let's go out to the field, you know, let's go for a walk. And this is, he's unsuspecting. You know, let me tell you something. You, lot of people who do not have guile, they are unsuspecting. But I think you should not be, you should be careful. Jesus said, I mean, uh, be wise as what? Serpents, but be harmless as doves. Okay. Let's go out for a walk. I mean, I remember, um, um, story of uh, Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah is busy constructing the walls and one guy fellow, fellow says, let us op- meet in the open field. Okay, Nehemiah, come, 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 let us meet in the open field and he knows. He is not going to leave his, his job of building the walls and go and meet this guy because they know, he knows that those guys are plotting to, are plotting to kill him. Are plotting to kill him. So this guy just goes, let's go for a walk. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and he killed him. You see, you see what happens? Deceived, offended and ultimately you betray. That is the reason why in Matthew chapter 11, um, Jesus has to say this about John the Baptist. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the come, uh, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to him, go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, etc. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see, one of the reasons why we get offended is we think that God owes us something. God owes us. What we call us, because I did this, 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 God is entitled to forgive. 
Because I, this, 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 God is entitled. He has to show me mercy. See, when uh, David uh, is, God gives the commandment over David's son. I mean, the, the judgment over David's son, who, who is a result of, uh, of uh, adultery. He goes and falls prostrate before God. And he begs for mercy. But ultimately, when he, when he understands that his son is dead, he's not offended. Because it's God's prerogative to show mercy. Because we know from Romans chapter 9 verse 15, like pastor was talking to us. He says, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. It's God's prerogative. God does not owe us anything. And why do we get offended? It's because we think that we owe, God owes us something. I read my Bible. I prayed. You have to do this. That is what the gods of this world will do. I did this, I did this, I did this. I read my Bible, I prayed, I'm getting, attending all the services. You have to come through. You have to bless me. I start my business. Because I met the conditions. The first day itself I should get what? Full profit. That doesn't matter, doesn't work like that. You see, you be very, very careful. This is the God, we, we uh, what happens is that when we have this kind of an attitude, that is the gods of this world. You know, remember Vishwamitra who goes to, uh, sorry, not Vishwamitra, that guy, I forget the name of the king. He goes to this, uh, he's a righteous king by the way. And he goes to one of the, moon, uh, one of the uh, sadhus and he says, because I lived a righteous life, I, I don't want to taste death and I should go to Swarga directly. And that guy says, sir, we don't have that, com- that kind of a technology. You have to die. And then you have to, then he says, no, how can the gods not accept me because I have led her such a, such kind of a righteous life? He says, no, 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 sir, we cannot do any agna like this. Okay, you don't do this, I'll go to another sadhu. No? One pastor does not give, I will go to another pastor. Where does he go to? Vishwamitra. And Vishwamitra is a crazy fellow. He says, okay, okay. Oh, even, even the gods are not accepting you, we'll do one thing, we'll create another second heaven. Swarga. You see, is this what we call as entitlement mentality? Just because I did this, 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 this is what you, you, you need to give me. You need to give me position of honor, etc. No, no, no. Look at what it says about the king of Nineveh, Jonah, Jonah chapter 3. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Okay. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything good. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone Turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Now this kind of repentance, what should, what do you expect? God should show, show you mercy. Look at his words. Look at his next, next words. The words of the king of Nineveh. Who can tell if God will relent? Who can tell? We don't know. Oh, just because I did this, 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 I have to enter into the promised land. Look at my surrender, Lord. How, I've borne all this for these children. I can't even enter into the promised land just for a few days. God says no. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look at what it says. This is the doctrine of Moses. 
My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as a dew. As small rain upon the tender herbs and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, righteous or just and upright is he. He is absolutely just in not allowing me to get into the promised land. Let me tell you something. Those who think who deserve, deserve a crown will not get a crown. Those who think who do not deserve the crown will get the crown. Understand this. So, Offense is because we think, we think that God owes us something. We don't, God owes us nothing. We owe God everything. And yet, and yet, He does not force Himself upon us. Even though when we were sinners, when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were enemies of the, of, of God, He, He died for us, the Bible says. So He, we owe Him everything. So why does offense happen? One of the reasons is because of pride, because we owe, we think that God owes us, because when we obey, especially for righteous people, righteous people, self-righteousness is the biggest stumbling block, and for the, the other word for uh, stumbling block is offense, a cause for offense. Self-righteousness, I did this, and therefore this is what I deserve. You know what Paul says at the end of his life? After chief of sinners who do not deserve any of these things, this mercy that God has given me. Remarkable. So why does offense happen to believers? One one of the reasons, they think they deserve it. Self-righteous people, pride, etc. Biggest problem for all of us is pride. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, let's go out to another reason. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 18 onwards. This is, of course, the parable of the sower. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the what? Of the kingdom. Understand this. We are hearing the word of a kingdom. Okay, so kings, they rule by decree. Okay. So they make a decree and everybody ultimately has to surrender. The will of God. Ultimately the will of God will be established in our lives. Okay. Whatever, however you live your life, ultimately the will of God will be established. Okay. So this is the word of the kingdom. So he is describing, he is giving an objective to the word of God which is being sown. It's called the word of the kingdom. Meaning it is coming from the mouth of a king. Even though the instruments that he uses, like, like, I'm just a herald. So herald, what is he doing? He's, he's got only one job. What is he supposed to do? He's just he's supposed to deliver the message of the, of the, of the king. He is, he's just, he's nothing. So that's the reason why Paul says, I planted Apollo's waters, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Therefore, he who plants and he who waters is nothing. But the one who gives the increase is everything. Therefore, hear the word of the kingdom. So this is the word of the kingdom. That means it is coming from the king. And therefore, if it is coming from the king, there is an attitude with which we have to surrender to the word. That comes from any pulpit for that matter. Which is authentic. And then he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth it away, which was sown in his heart. This is which received the seed Where? On the 
wayside. Now, what is the wayside? You know, in every field, if you see, fields have hedges. Okay, every field has hedges, and and every field is divided. The, the the entire field is divided into plots, and you start sowing. This guy is sowing a seed, so he comes to the edge of the field and he just sows. I mean, he scatters a seed. So some seed, where do they fall? They fall outside the hedge. So the principle number one is, we need to ask ourselves, am I inside the hedge or am I outside the hedge? In other words, if I am not under the protection of God, remember there were two fig trees. Okay. One fig tree, Jesus looked at it and he said, curse. There was another fig tree. Where was it planted? In the garden, with the hedge around, under the shepherd. Or under a dresser. Okay, God, Paul uses this and says, you are the Lord's field and we are God's husbandmen. The husbandman was there and then three years, no fruit and God says, Are cut it out. Why is it wasting the, and immediately the, the husbandman says, oh, please, please, please leave it alone. One more year, give it time. You know why? Because that tree was where? Within the hedge. And what, where did the seed fall? It fell outside the hedge. So the first question you need to ask ourselves is, are we within the hedge or outside the hedge? Are we within the boundaries of God? Are we under the authorities which God has placed us? Or are we outside? We are attack, we are open to the attack of the attack of the demonic because what happens immediately as the word is sown, you could be right inside the church. Just because you are here physically does not mean that you are inside the hedge. No, 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 no. It's a spiritual entity. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ alone. So as long as you are in Christ, you are inside the hedge. Meaning you are under the protection of the God-ordained authority. There is protection for you. The moment you leave it, you will be like those people where the seed has been scattered. And what happens? Immediately the birds of the air will come and snatch it away. So... You're not looking at that today. Look at the next one. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that hears the word and anon receives it with joy. Now this guy is within the hedge. Yet hath what he has what? No root. He has no root. Okay. In himself. But dureth for a while. This is King James because I just wanted a particular word to be uh, uh, be underlined. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the what? Because of the word. By and by he is offended. Meaning it, it doesn't happen just immediately. Over a period of time because there is no, there is no root inside of him. What happens? By and by over a period of time slowly he will go, get offended and he will just dwindle away. And then of course, he describes this kind of a soil. You know, in this Matthew chapter 13, he continues to describe what, what is this stony soil. So in the, in the parable itself, he tells what that, what kind of, what that kind of soil is, that soil which gets offended. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, okay? And forthwith they sprung up because they had what? No what? Deepness of earth. What do they not have? They did not have depth. And because they did not have depth, when the sun was up, they were Scorched. You know, we, we, what confess that Psalm, Psalm 121, what does it say? The sun shall not, no, no, here the sun is nicely smiting him by day. And the powers of darkness also by night. Why? 
Why? What is what is a scorching? It is a testing because of the word. It is the heat that is raised up because of the situations that that God will allow in the last days to see how deep we are in our relationship with the Lord. You see, you see, you need to understand. Uh, last year we had uh, this last few teachings, few, few teachings in the in the last month when we when Pastor was talking about you know uh, we were uh, we were dead with him. Okay, we were buried with him. Okay, we died with him. We were buried with him. And then the third one, we were made alive with him. Second, we were resurrected along with him. And then third one, we were seated with Jesus in the heavenly places in the, in Christ Jesus. You see, the making alive part, the making alive is connected with the call. The call. What kind of a call? We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And what does God say? Lazarus! Call. Come forth. Okay, so we were all made alive like Lazarus. Second, we were resurrected along. It says in Romans chapter 4 verse 25, He was delivered up for our offenses and He was raised us, raised again for our what? For our justification. So, raising up along with Christ means we are justified along with Him. Third, so, we were called, we were justified, and what is the third thing? As many as he has called, them he also has justified. As many as justified him also, they he glorified. What is glorification? That he made to made us to sit together with, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is the glorification part. Similarly, you will see in the tabernacle. Tabernacle has three parts. It's got the outer courts, where you have the bronze laver, I mean the bronze altar and the bronze laver. And then you have the first veil, you enter into the, what we call as the holy place. Holy place has a covering. In the outer courts, it's all natural light. Absolutely natural light. That is connected with our call, where we also are made alive. We hear the gospel for the first time with our senses. We hear the gospel, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then we are asked to go to the next level, to understand what is this resurrected life. You see, if you remember the last time, two things Pastor was saying. The hope of our glory is Christ in us. The hope of our salvation is Christ for us. The hope of our salvation is what? Christ died for us on the cross. That is the hope of our salvation. What is the hope of us? Hope of our glory is Christ in us. What is the hope of our salvation? What the cross does for us. What is the hope of our glorification? What Christ, what the cross does in us. These are two different things. We should not confuse one with the other. You see, that is the reason why he tells the Corinthian church, such and such, some of you, because these kinds of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, there is something like positionally you are a heir, but there is a process through which you have to go through, ultimately in order for you to become the actual heir. So he tells the Corinthian church, many of you are still children in the Lord, and if you are children in the Lord, you will not, what? Inherit anything. You'll not be heirs. So he says, don't be deceived. Such kinds of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just because you are inside the kingdom of God, it does not mean that you will inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, you are in the outer courts is where where the bronze altar is. And you come to the outer courts. And then you say, Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. Many believers are like that. Sorry, every week they will say, sorry Lord for the sins I've committed. Sorry Lord. And then they go to the bronze labor. They will wash their face and go back. 
But the problem is, you will literally not experience the work of the cross inside of you, which is the resurrected life of Jesus Christ, unless and until you enter into the holy place. And what do you have in the holy place? You have three pieces of furniture. You have the shoe bread, you have the golden lampstand, and then you have the brazen altar. What is a shoe bread? It is a place where all kinds of grains from different parts of the field are crushed and made one. What has happened? Your will has been crushed and you've been burnt on both sides and your life is placed as an offering before the Lord and said, Lord, I'm submitting my will to you. That is what it says. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I am submitting my will to you. And then what happens? When the moment you have submitted your will, what you have is the transformed mind, the anointed teaching, the 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 the, the ministry of the apostles, the prophets, the the shepherds, and the pastors and the evangelists. What do they do? They give you the transformed mind. The moment you have offered yourself as a living sacrifice on the altar and you have surrendered your will to the Lord, now you will you will even as your mind is being transformed, you will understand what is the good. What is the acceptable and what is the perfect will of God? And then, so you have surrendered your will, you have surrendered your mind, which is your intellect. And the third is, third piece of uh, furniture is the golden altar of incense, which is essentially your emotions and your prayer life. So you have the will which is surrendered, the mind which is transformed, and the emotions which are backed up by the will and by the truth, and your prayer becomes an offering unto the Lord. Acceptable. But still you still haven't heard from the Lord. You're still in the realm of what we call as a soul. Right? And then what happens? You have the what? The holy place. The most holy place. The second veil. In that place, no light. There is only one thing. What is it? The Shekinah glory of God. Right? Shekinah glory of God. We are being called we have been justified and we continue in the process of this justification. Meaning, we continue to say, Lord, I, I, not my will, yours be done. Not my will, yours be done. But still, we haven't heard from God. The ultimate revelation is once you have surrendered your will, your intellect and your emotions, you go into the most holy place. What happens? Now you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places and what you get is a revelation. You see, This is a process. And if you try to succumb in this process, you will not have genuine revelation for your own life. Because we are called, what? Kings and priests in the new covenant. And we are not ordinary priests, we are the priests of the order of Melchizedek. Now, he is where? He is there in the most holy place. And we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, positionally only. And therefore Paul says, because of that position that we have, may the Lord give you the what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. But the problem is, we will never get that genuine revelation until we go through this process. That is what I'm talking about, depth. You see, a lot of children, they're not deep. There is no deepness in their life. There is no depth. There is no depth meaning they are receiving the word at a very shallow level. Either at the level of the feelings or the level of the intellect. But not at the level of the spirit. That is the reason that the word of God says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides to the what? The dividing of the soul and the spirit. What is the soul? My will. My thoughts. My feelings. So what does it, what does the word of God do? It shows us in our lives, even the ministries that we do, how much of it is my will? 
How much of it is my thoughts? And how much of it is my feelings? I was listening to a man of God the other day. Initially, when he was young in the ministry, he took loans left, right and center to organize for meetings. And then, loans will come with interest. He is now in debt now and he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, sat before the Lord, started fasting and praying. Lord, what is this Lord? I am your servant. I did all this for you. I took loans, not for my own self, Lord. I never consumed those uh, <laughs> that money. I used it for arranging meetings and the Lord told him, who told you? To ask? Who asked you to do it? I mean, he clearly heard from the Lord. Who asked you to do this? You see, that is the reason why. So now, how do we, if you want to get, if you should not get offended, therefore, what should you have? You should have what? What is, what should you have? Depth. You know, this depth, you have to dig. What should you do? Dig. I mean, this is very, very important. To go deep, what you should you do? You should dig. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there is no other way to go to the depth unless you dig. That is the reason why if you read uh, the book of Job, he says, the precious metals, where do you find them? In the deepest parts. See, there are two kinds of constructions. Wood, hay, stubble. Very easy to find and very cheap. Large quantity also you will get. And then what is it? Gold, silver, precious stones. Precious stones and diamond. Where do you get diamond? Oh, deep. Where do you get pearls? Depth. So, there will be ultimately two two kinds of constructions. The construction which is very shallow. Okay. Which is not based upon authentic love. And there is a construction which is based upon those precious metals that you earthed for yourself. You went to the depths. You came under the pressure that God put you under. See, what is uh, diamond of ultimately? It is charcoal. Allah. Boggu. Boggu has become what? Vajram. From Boggu to Vajram, what is the process? Pressure. From coal to diamond, what is what determines that precious stone is pressure. What is the spurl of ultimate price? Why, why does this guy who that's the reason why he says the kingdom of man is like the one who is searching for this what pearl of great price? Where do you get pearls of great price, Baba? You have to go to the depths of the ocean. And when you go to the depths of the ocean, and if you don't have proper oxygen cylinders, you know what will happen? You'll go mad. You know that? Because if you smell that air, finished. You'll come out like a madman. Hmm? Since the depths of the ocean, you'll find the pearls of great price where you have withstood pressure and testing. You see, we have to preach like, Pastor, I have not gone through so much of pressure and testing. Don't worry, it'll come. Hmm? Okay, You don't have to ask for it. It definitely will come. It will come. If it is not coming, then you have to ask, well, Lord, really, Lord, am I, am I really, really saved? Am I a shallow guy? Or am I a deep guy? See, See gravity, what, what, what I'm saying, when I'm saying gravity, I'm not talking about gravity, I'm talking about depth. It's a very important thing. 
People who are grave meaning, who think through, who are stoic, who think through a particular thing and then come to a conclusion. What does it mean? They are weighing out all the possibilities and they have, they have, they have gone through tests and trials and when they speak, what is it? It's a word of wisdom. You know, that's the reason why you know what it says. What comes out of their mouth is what? In Telugu, Muthyalo. Why, do, why are there pearls which are coming out of their mouth? Because they have gone through what? Pressure. Why do curl pearls come out of the mouths of wise people? Is because they have gone through pressure. Understand that? So if you have a, a mentor who's gone through pressure, sit under him, what will come out is, But you know what God says? I will not throw pearls before. Uh, if you are not dog category, swine pig category. Ah, exactly. You know dog category, no? It will go back to its vomit. Autocots people, every day, they'll come to the Lord. It's like, you know, somebody, somebody said something, no? Uh, they have what we call as the, the brain of a, of a chicken. Chicken, no? You know what chicken, right? When you, uh, Natu Kodi, those in, 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 uh, in, in villages, they make this Natu Kodis by giving them some nice food. Okay? Three, four, what is it, what is it called? Jidipop, Jidipop, remember? Kaju. They'll put, throw Kaju like this. Pieces of kaju. That fellow will eat three, four kajus, but the brain is still like a chicken. No? What, where, so it goes back to the pentakupa. He'll go back to the garbage bin and start eating from there only. Because that's his nature. Three, four. So they, every time Sunday morning they will come and they will eat these beautiful kajus <laughs> on Sunday morning. <laughs> and then Monday, oh sorry, not even Monday, Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon only. They go back to the Chatakupa. Garbage. You see, that is how, that is the reason why in, even in Telugu there are some very interesting poems, no? Kanakapo Simhasanamana, Sunakamu Kurchan, meaning on a throne which is made of gold, if you take a dog and put it on, on a day which is like, nice muhurtam, meaning it's a very auspicious day. You've chosen the day according to the calendar. Today is not Amavasya. It is not Pornami. Very auspicious day. Take the dog, put him on the throne. What will the dog do? Enjoy the service. Go back to the chapels. See? That is the reason why depth is important. So how do we, so how do we get this depth? See, incrementally it has to happen in our lives. Incrementally. Say everybody say incrementally, one step at a time. So let us see how that happens. Luke's gospel chapter 6. Luke's gospel chapter 6 and verse 46 onwards. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? There's no point. You're just fooling yourself. And then he says, as for everyone who comes to me, first you have to come, there's a action, that is the reason why every time the ministry of the word happens, pastor says, Come close. Anointing is like a, like a feathers on a, on a feather, on roosters, this thing, right? So, what do people do? First step itself, gone. They will choose the fantastic position. As far from the anointing as possible. Hmm? I'm, I'm not saying that you should, when you come for the first time, you should do like that. But if it is regularly a habit, where should I sit? Okay, that is the cornermost position. I will sit there. Sorry, okay. So what should you do? You have to come first. That is the reason why Elijah says, 
everybody come near come near come near come near everybody come near and then he says first thing come near second thing you should hear and then third thing you should put them to practice i like i use the niv because i like that put them into practice meaning in you will fail practice me you will fail and you keep on practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing 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 you know you don't give up ultimately you will be like rafa you know they say about his uh, about his uh, forehand is a lefty it generates a torque of 3200 rpm average 3200 rpm every shot forehand you can imagine the kind of torque <laughs> that the, the ball has i mean it's like once he slaps the ball it's a bye bye baby simple it's gone and you know you should you see the commentators when they use the use the describe the shot no when they he plays a backhand he says that backhand was forged in steel oh my goodness meaning full practice <laughs> it's like a forged in steel he said that backhand was forged you kind of the commentary is very interesting the description of a shot you know what makes every sport interesting the commentary you know when they, if you see basketball they sh- when they say from where did he shoot the ball from a three pointer from downtown he says downtown and then i said one thing what down oh 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 very far okay 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 three pointer from downtown if you only in america you understand this kind of a language no from downtown so you practice them so depth is is how do you get this depth is by practice everybody say depth by practice are come on say that again Ah, depth by practice. Look at that. I'm not saying this. Look at what he says. If he puts them to practice, Luke's Gospel chapter 6 verse 48, they are like a man building a house. And what did he do? He dug down deep. He dug down deep. See, if you want to have an authentic ministry, it is always in the deep. Where is it? It is, it is in the depths of the ministry where you will realize your own heart, the foulness of your own sin, and because you're authentic in the depths, you'll be able to, able to have a huge catch of fish. Remember, uh, Jesus is preaching from the, from the, from the boat, and then he tells Peter, launch where? Eh, exactly, into the deep. In, I love that word. Launch them into the deep. Are, where are you doing, Baba? Shipping. Go to the deep. And then when she gets the catch, you know what he says? Lord, I am a sinner. Where did he realize that he was a sinner? In the deep. And then he says, Jesus says, don't worry, now you'll become what? Fishers of men, where you will be able to catch authentic fish? In the deep. Okay. Purinjada and Asolram. Did you understand? Ardhamaglia. So, in this in the deep, this is, this is important. And this depth has to be dug. So it is hard work. It is plowing away. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, what? Study to show yourself approved unto God. And then he says something very interesting. He describes the process. Uh, the workman is your, a husbandman, meaning a farmer. 
What does the farmer do most of the time? Dig. Break up the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground. That is the reason why he says, when you come to the church, come with prepared ears and a prepared heart. Break up the fallow ground of the here. Here, so it's important how you spend the day before Sabbath, because Sabbath is the day which sets the rest of the week. So break up the fallow ground, a prepared heart, prepared ears, circumcised ears, and circumcised hearts. Come to the preaching of the word of God so that the seed can fall where? Not on shallow soil, but on into deep soil. So he he digs deep and then of course you know that very well. Luke's gospel chapter 6 goes on to say, but he who hears my word and does not put them into practice. Practice means doing the same thing over and over again. Say that everybody, doing the same thing over and over again. The Doing the same thing ah, over and over again. You see, there's a, there is a, it's actually a mystery. How it suddenly something becomes perfect is because over a period of time you did it over and over and over. It's with anything in life. That is the reason why he says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. What should you do? In order to become righteous, you have to practice righteousness. All these are spiritual exercises. He has to put them. He does not put them into practice. What does he do? He comes. He's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction is complete. Therefore, therefore, if you want to have depth, you have to have what, what I call as incremental obedience. Everybody say that? Incremental obedience. Meaning, oh, it's the obedience level has to increase more and more and more so that the Lord will show you that disobedience more and more in your heart, the rebellion in your heart. It's deep, the depth of iniquity. Why? Because uh, in Psalm 51, he says, you desire truth where? In the inward parts, in the depths. In the inward parts, you have made me to know wisdom. Understand that. Okay, so let us see, how does this happen? Psalm 105, it goes through, only through testing, okay? Psalm 105, and verse 17 onwards. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until that that, that time his word came, the word of God. What did he do? Tried him. You know, what does it do? In practice, you know what the coach does? He tries you. You know, in Telugu, he's a pindestad. He'll literally squeeze every ounce of juice out of you. You have to inter- listen to the interviews of some coaches, how they treat their, I mean, if a, if a, if a player literally spro- surrenders to that process, he's got a future. See, the difference between Sachin Tendulkar and Vinod Kambli. You remember, right? Pot belly and one guy who worked on his pot belly. What did I say? Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we have a captain who's got a pot belly. And I'm not talking about Virat Kohli. I don't like him. What is this sport with a paunch, Baba? I mean, I should look at Arjuna Radhatunga and I used to get really upset. And I said, what is this guy with his pot belly running here and there? It's an insult to the sport. <laughs> I remember, I remember those days, no, when, uh, when, uh, one man of God, I was listening to him on the, on the, on the, on the radio, one of the, uh, on the, on the, on the internet, and he was saying, you know what, when, if anybody has a pot belly in my church, I will never call him to the pulpit. 
but a statement. You should be like Elijah who can bend while standing. How? Nah. Try. That means full, flat. That is, that is, how did he get that uh, flat belly? You think by doing uh, six-pack training in uh, gym? No. Huh? Fasting and methodical eating. What is methodical eating? Whenever he feeds, I will eat. That's it. That is methodical eating. Today no food for us. Okay, because God said fast. How much will the ravens get, Baba? Tell me. It is not, it is just not a bird. It is a raven. So that fellow might have caught a big piece of chicken, let's say. He said, so much? No, I'll eat a little. While he was traveling towards uh, Elijah's uh, spot, he might have eaten half of it. Half of it is given to him. How much will he carry in his beak? Think about it. Rationed eating. You see, when we use these words, people get really offended, but it's okay, no problem. That's the whole point, no? Don't get offended. That's the whole thing, no? The purpose gets defeated ultimately. Until the time his word came to pass, what did he do? The word of God tested him. He went through tests to prove his obedience. And when he, when he, when there was an opposition to his convictions, and when he obeyed, what did he do? He dug deep. What happens when there's an opposition to your obedience and when you obey, you practice and you dig deep. You understand that? There's pressure. What do you do? You overcome the pressure and go more deep so that you can get the pearl of great price. The problem is, you see, somebody was telling me, the worship leader in any church is a preacher. Because the worship team cannot go beyond the preacher. I think well, that is the reason why the worship team in our church, the church struggles quite a bit because <laughs> ultimately because the standards are set here. And I'm, I'm not talking about myself, generally. Generally speaking. So you have to, you have to go against that and when you go against, you dig deep. And you say, oh no, 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 it's enough. This, this is enough. This shallowness is enough. The problem is, with, with shallow waters, what is the problem? With shallowness, what is the problem? There is a danger of you getting what? Offended. And because you got offended, you might betray and cut and run. You know why? Because there is no depth. Every relationship has to be tested. Especially your relationship with God and the relationship with the local body of believers. So, Hebrews chapter 12 will say, Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. Meaning everything that can be shaken in your life will be shaken. Shake a mango tree. Okay, now you shake it a little more. A few more. Shake it a little more. One more. After that shake, Okay, this is what remains. Enough. Enough. So he's going to shake. Every relationship will be tested. Finances will be tested. Giving will be tested. Everything will be tested. Every will, everything will be tested. So what does he say? Now yet once more indicates a removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain this, that's the reason why it's called as pruning. 
He who abides in me and the, my words abide, abide in him, what will I do to him? He will bear fruit. So what will I do to the person who bears fruit? I will... Come on, what is this Lord? Yes, that's the process. Cutting. Only when the wig is cut will the lamb burn. Otherwise it should be put off after a while. Even though, even if there's anointing, even if there's oil, there has to be a cutting correspondingly. So of those things that are being shaken, as of those things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And therefore he says, therefore since we are receiving a what? A kingdom. What is the word of God called? It is called the word of the kingdom. Because we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which may we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. So, because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so what do we do? We allow God to shake us so that we understand where our depth is. You see, and Pastor was using a very interesting illustration. Uh, if you are there in the Nepali service, no? Uh, he was saying, you know, in the old covenant, is like exam papers. Okay? Old covenant is like exam papers. New covenant is like the theory. New covenant is theory. I mean, New Testament is a theory. And you take the theory and you look at the patterns. Where? In Jesus and in the Old Testament. Essentially, the spirit of Christ. He says, like, it's like, it's like the question paper. Now, when he said, moment he said question paper, you know, um, we went through many exams, no? So, remember, if you go through uh, some practice exams, when some questions come, he says, this particular question came in JE 2021, MSET 1994. Uh, uh, so, in, in other words, if just imagine you solve the problem, which came in, let's say, IITJE exam in 2021. And you got the right answer. What will happen to you? Are. Ah, nice, 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 nice. I am able to solve it. Okay, okay, okay. That means if I am placed in the examination, there is a possibility and probability that I might get selected. You understand? No? I like that illustration. The moment then that those kind of illustrations ring with me very well and stay with me for the rest of my life. Because every time I go to the exam, I go through all the all the uh, practice question papers, no? Ah, this came in JE this month. Oh, so immediately I will not look at any other paper question. I will directly go to those questions. Let me solve them. Let me see if I'm ready. Okay. Understood? See, generally, if for any competitive exam, the last three months or four months, depending upon your level of preparation, it is only answering question paper. If you try to learn new theory, tata, <laughs> for next year only, if you are ready for by the next year. By that time, everything is done and dusted over with what you are doing is you are testing the depths of your concepts. You know what is happening now? Even as you see the events approaching, what is exa- what is nearing? What is nearing? Examination is nearing. There was one, my dad's old friend, no? If you do not do well in exam, he would say, he looked at me and he said, Vijay, in his own Telugu accent, he said, examination is a matter of chance. No, this is not a matter of chance. It's not a matter of chance. By this time, all your theory has to be ready. And what are you should be ready with? The question paper. Do you understand? 
No, no, you remember, no? When you start examination is two, two weeks from the exam, what are you doing? You're studying for the new, the new concepts. Gone. Tata only. Bye-bye. You will just be just pass only. That is by, with great difficulty. Mm-hmm. So look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Therefore, hear the words, put them to practice. Keep on doing it. And then you will dig deep. So let us look at one example. In the time that we have. The man who dug deep, who was forced to dug deep, to dig deep rather, and incrementally, incrementally increased in his depth of his relationship with the Lord. And that is what I'm going to look at today. One example from the Old Covenant. One question paper from the Old Covenant. Okay. In Pastor James's language. Genesis chapter 26. Famous chapter. Everybody knows this very well. This is a story about. Genesis 26 is a story about. See. You are not even ready for the exam, Baba. You do not know your subject. Okay, no problem. Let us see. (laughs) There was a famine. Who is this? Isaac, okay. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So this is a question paper. What is the test? Famine. What is it there for? To test your? To test your depth. Whether you will get offended. What is it offend? Whether you will stumble. Offense means to stumble and fall into sin. Scandal. Scandal means to put a stick to cause you to stumble. So let us see how you incrementally increase your depth. From the story of a man who is born again. And we are all like, according to Galatians chapter 4, we are the children of promise like who? Like Isaac. So Isaac is a type of the believer. He is a type of the believer who is born again. A type of a believer. Galatians chapter 4 will use the word. He says, we are all like Isaac, children of the promise. Okay, we are born again of the word of God and by the, and by the spirit of God. Born again by the, by the sowing of the seed of the word of God in our hearts. The implanting of the word of truth. As James chapter 1 verse 18 will say. So this man who is born of the word, who surrendered his life, has gone through the process called baptism, where his pastor, not his pastor, of course, yeah, his pastor and his father, father is pastor, okay? What does his pastor do? Puts him on the altar. So that is essentially a picture of baptism. And now he is resurrected, now he is asked to have this resurrected life, to exercise and practice this resurrected life. A type of a believer who has to grow in the resurrected life, meaning the work of the cross has to be has to go deeper into his life. So how does he fare? And how does he dig deep? Let us see. There was a famine. That means famine is test. Lack. Lack is a test. And it is always temporary. Everybody say lack is temporary. Say that. Ah, everybody say that. Amen. How many we can say amen to it? Ah, thank you, Samin. Thank you, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> lack is temporary. <laughs> and it is amen. Alright, praise God. Everybody, if you want lack for permanently or what? Lack is temporary. Again, let's say that again. Lack is temporary. Ah, thank you. Okay, thank you. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So look at this. They are spiritual principles. Meaning, if you want to grow, I told you, there will always be opposition. And when you obey in the space of opposition, what do you do? You dig deep. That's the idea. Okay, so keep this in mind. Keep this in your mind. So besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to to Egypt, 
live in the land of which I will tell you. What is this? I'm telling you something. Obey. He who hears my words and puts them to practice. So he says, don't go to Egypt. What does Egypt signify? Egypt signifies the thought patterns of this world. So you have surrendered yourself on the altar. Now you want the resurrected life, uh, the life of resurrection to grow inside of you, the work of cross to go deeper from the soul to the inner man, to touch your spirit. Do one thing. Practice. Practice. And what does Egypt say? That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable act of worship. Then do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's saying, do not go down to Egypt, meaning there's always be a, a war inside of you to conform to the way the world does things and the way God wants us to do things. And if you want to have the blessing of God, it is important to do the work of God in the ways of God. We've been learning in different, different contexts about this very important spiritual principle. So don't go to Egypt. Don't go down to Egypt. What is Egypt? The ways of this world. Psychology, biggest worldly principle. That is Sigmund Freud. This demonic. Okay. What is it? Well, I mean, this attention, attention, what is that? Attention span. Attention, yeah, aid, yeah, yeah. Attention span and all these things. If the Holy Spirit arrests you, it's over. The problem is you don't have attention is because the Holy Spirit is not upon you. Even though if it's on the preacher. It's not the anointing on the preacher. It's the anointing on you. Think about those guys, no? When they, when Nehemiah finishes the construction of the wall, he calls the, calls Ezra. They're reading the law. Now think about it. From Genesis to Deuteronomy, they're reading. And they're crying and repenting. No. Can you imagine? I start reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Da, 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 da. Leviticus. I'm going through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. By the time I finish, maybe Genesis chapter one, many of you, if you have the opportunity, will just get up and leave. You know what they did? They wept part of it and they repented. Because you know what? They were hungry for God. They came back from captivity. They had an encounter with God. They've been stirred by the Spirit to come back and build Jerusalem. And now they're not going to go back to Babylon, the patterns of this world. They've been set free from Babylon. Babylon, Babel, confusion. No, one of Telugu Bible uses that. Babel You know, they don't say they came back from Babylon. They say they came back from Babel. What is it? Confusion. They're not going to build their lives on the patterns of this world. Understand this? If the Holy Spirit is not arresting you, it doesn't matter whatever gimmicks I use to arrest you. It is still going to be superficial. You know why? Because the next time you come back, it is only for the gimmicks and not for the word. Understand that. This is not entertainment. Entertain. 
Understand this, very important. So do not go down to Egypt. The principles, the patterns of this world. This spiritual life, he says, you want to overcome this lack, don't first, don't run away from it. What is it? Avoidance of pain and the pursuit of pleasure. Avoidance of life, freedom, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's the American dream. I, I, I like what Pastor James said. They should have actually read it. Uh, they should have changed it. And they should have said life, liberty in the pursuit of holiness. <clears throat> you see, remember in the Song of Songs, I think it's chapter 2, where it says, uh, take care of us, the little foxes. Just before the take care of the little foxes, you know what it says? It describes a church as a dove. What is it? It's a ch- church as a dove. I think it's 2, 14 and 15, if I'm right. Uh, Song of Sol- Songs, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Where it describes the church as a dove. And you know what the church is doing? It is, the dove is flying in the clefts of the rock. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, is it there? Yes. What, what, how does it read? I'm sorry. 214. Oh my, oh my dove. In the clefts of the rock. So what is a dove? Dove is a picture of a believer who's anointed by the Holy Spirit. And, and what is a dove? It's, it's a, it's free to fly. I mean, birds have the ability to fly. I mean, I wish I could fly. Meaning what? I wish I could experience freedom. This is essentially the, the language that we use, right? So if you want to experience true freedom, where should you be? In the clefts of the rock. You see that? As long as you are in the clefts of the rock, you will experience true freedom. But what has happened in the pursuit of pleasure, there is no, there is no boundaries. Life, liberty and the pursuit of holiness, meaning what? There is a straight and narrow path which God has said, in this path, in this path, even the fools will be called wise. You know why? Because there is a straight and narrow path. It is what we call as the highway of holiness. And there you have freedom. Mm-hmm. So don't go down to Egypt. Don't run away. Don't say, you know what, these are too stringent laws. No, I wish I could make my decisions. My dear brothers and sisters, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Freedom is bondage. And bondage, or what you think bondage in the kingdom is actual true freedom. I mean, I wish I could tell this to myself when I was 18 years old like you. I wish I could be there, Vijay, and scream into him at the top of my voice and say, Vijay, Vijay, what you think is bondage is freedom. What you think is freedom is bondage. Hmm? Don't go down to Egypt. So, what should we do? Dwell in this land. Where? Where? Where there's famine? The problem is, even if it's famine, as long as I, what is that? I will be with you. Thank you. So the problem is this. The point is not the problem. The point is this. As long as God is with you, even if it is famine, there's going to be plenty. That's the idea. Okay. For to you, your descendants, I will give this lands, these lands, and I will perform the oath, the covenant which I swore to your father. And then, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give you, give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So you, if you do the same, I will bless you too. So if you, in order for you to have that kind of an opportunity, where should you do? What should you do? Stay, stay where I 
you know that my manifest presence is with you. Sojourn here in this land and I will be with you. Understand this. Mm-hmm. That is the reason why Omar Khayyam's very famous statement, no? A glass of wine, a loaf of bread, and your presence. What is it? It is paradise in the, in the wilderness. Okay, exactly. A glass of wine, a loaf of bread, and your presence, my love, is paradise in the wilderness. This is of the mathematician's most beautiful, what is a romantic statement? You know, mathematicians can be romantic, okay? You can understand, you should understand that. Genesis chapter 26. Let's move on. So Isaac dwelt where? In Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say, she's my wife. (laughs) You see, already his convictions are now being tested. How deep is your convictions? How deep are your convictions? Who are these fellows? The Philistines. They looked at it. Sister. They're just friends. Friends. And a lot of believers are also like that. We're just brother, sister. Brother, sister only. And how come in your WhatsApp message there is a heart symbol? I mean, emoticons, I don't understand emoticons. Still no, I don't understand emoticons. That's the reason why, you know what? Our generation is not a word generation. It is an emotional generation. So what we do, what we use, we cannot use, we don't have the patience to type words or read words. What we use? Emoticons. Prayer. <laughs> Cry. <laughs> Emotions, same another thing. I'm very sad. Even laughing out louder is an abbreviation. See how dangerous our we are. We have scant respect for words. You know what? One of the things I'm doing these days, my parents used to teach me a lot of poems when I was a kid. They used to say, you know, literature, Telugu literature. You know the best Telugu literature? This follow, this is not this Bible, my Bible. This is the best Telugu literature. The next to it is Andhra Kaistava Kirtanal. Okay. He's not there. He's not there. You know what? You should see some of the poems which are written by the men of God when they describe their struggle with the world. When they dis- this was written in 1857 or something. One pundit from the, those guys when they got converted, they wrote that poem, po- that, sing- that, uh, that hymn. And I'm looking at the lyrics and I'm looking at those words and I'm saying, you see this guy, how he's struggling with the world then. 1857, what world, Baba? What world do they have? Like Pastor was saying, though, that place where they, uh, where, where he was working, they did not even have internet on or te- television till 1999. And you should see the ways, you know what? My God, the depth of the world in my heart, Lord. Lord, have mercy. And I'm like, 
These kind of words, I don't even find an iota in the modern day church. You know why there's no depth? Because they don't have appreciation for words. They don't salivate over words. Uh, the other day, sir, Abel's mom was singing, what a fantastic song. What a fantastic, I mean, I was fida only. Fida. And this kind of music, they just, just fida me only. I said, boy, what literature. The depth of literature. You see, now the modern day songs, I'm sorry, even in Telugu songs, they're so shallow. Very shallow. Many men, except, I'm telling you, I think, I think the last generation which I heard real good songs is Asana's generation. That's it. Very, Sarunu Sarununa, Deva Yehova, Vimala Serapulu, Duta Ganambulu, Chudagaleni, Tejo Nidhi. I'm like looking at those words, I'm saying, where did these find these kinds of descriptions? From where did these get these words? You know why? Because they had a depth of understanding of the word of God and they expressed it because they were filled with the spirit. That is the reason why it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. How? Speaking to one another with what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You shouldn't understand, my dear brothers. We should get back to the word and not emotions. I had never seen an emotion called fasting. Search your emoticons. Any any emotion called fasting? Are you? What happened to you? Is there? You're laughing. It is true. It's an indictment on our, our generation. I'm not talking about my, my parents' generation, Pastor James' generation. They had depth, boss. I'm talking about my generation and the next generation. Uh, do you know Telugu? I mean, you enjoy Telugu? She said like this. I said, what is this combination of uh, movements? This means, no. This means, yes, it is in the middle. It's a, co- it's a combination of these two. That means I don't like it, but I have to do it. I don't like it, I have to do it. So in the middle. <laughs> what is this, Baba? See? I understand this. You know, some of the things that we should really, really enjoy is to go back, go back some of the old hymns, go back and see the depth, the depth of relationship they, that they had with the Lord. Ah, it's remarkable. I mean, I just, I'll go off on a t- different tangent only because that will take up a lot of my time. Now, 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 now. Look at this. She is my wife. She is my wife. Look at what he says. Then goes on. Who are these people? These are the people, the Philistines, who are the description of the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, and the Hittites in the promised land. It's a description of your flesh which will put stumbling blocks upon you. Okay. Look at what he says in Chapter 23 of Joshua and verse 21. I will also not henceforth drive out any from before you, before them from the nations which Joshua left after he died. That through them that I I may, what? Prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered them he to Joshua. Look at what it says in Judges chapter 2 verse 3. of these nations, the reason why they were there. Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out 
from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. That is the New King James Version. Look at what the Septuagint quotes it. How does Septuagint puts it? And I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be for a distress to you, and their God shall be a what? For you an offense. They will see whether you will get offended. He will test you whether you will fall. What is offense? To stumble and fall when the pressure comes. Whether you will, whether you will conform to the pattern of this world or will you say, I will resist this, these temptations and I will overcome it. I will stand strong to my convictions. So Genesis chapter 26 will say, now it came to pass when he had been there for a long time, you see, just give, give it some time. Dood ka dood, pani ka pani ho jayega. Hai? That Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through a window and, a window and saw there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah. In the other translation, we'll use the word caressing Rebekah. I mean, that is very, you, you, these are all euphemisms. Other translation, we'll, we'll use the word, he was sporting with Rebekah. Sporting. Hmm? Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, She's your wife. I mean, what is conversation? Just friends. Quite obviously, this is not friendship only. She's my brother sister. Ah, brother sister, it's not conversation. It's not in a rega. How could you say she's my sister? Look at the response of Isaac. The response. You should, don't, don't, don't let just look at the whole picture. Uh, I mean, look at this, uh, look at the big picture. Just look at the reason as to why he did it. Genesis chapter 26. Isaac said to him, because I said, lest, what? I die. That's the problem. My problem is, I don't want to die. This I, Billy Graham said, has to be turned into C. I should be bent to see. What is I? Me. Sin. What is see? Christ. I to see. The problem is, I don't want to die. See, the moment you say, I don't want to die, you know, the, the Bible says, you will stumble. See, the way of the cross is always an offense to the I. Matthew chapter 16. Look at what it says. Matthew chapter 16. And verse 3. Verse actually 23. This is not verse 3 onwards. This is verse 23. But he, this is when Peter, when Jesus tells Peter, sorry, uh, when Peter, uh, Jesus tells Peter and the disciples, you know, I have to go to Jerusalem, I'll be crucified, etc. Hmm? But he turned, Peter, uh, Peter said, he started rebuking Jesus. But he turned against, uh, uh, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why? You are an offense to me. You're causing me to stumble now. You're saying that I should not die. That you're not, you're asking me that I should not bear the cross. And if I oblige to you, I will make a way for the rest of the disciples. So get behind me, Satan. Why? You are not what? Look at this. Mindful of the things of God, but the things of then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. The problem is, what should you say? Some, one man of God said very, very powerfully, he said, in the cross, you have to say to yes to everybody, except yourself. You should say no to you, <laughs> and yes to something else. Okay. 
Yes. Not to yourself, but to God. Okay. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Then he goes on to say, so Isaac said, you know what? I don't want to die. I don't want to die, but the pro- but thank God Isaac does not remain like that. So the second thing that causes you should not you should see everybody has uh, the idea. The problem is we are all in the process. The point is that we are all in the process of turning this I into a C. But is there what I call as a teachable spirit in each one of us? You know what a teachable spirit does, or rather, if you have a teachable spirit, it says, you know what, this is wrong. I want to yield. So what am I going to do? I am going to take correction. Lest I get offended. Okay? So, Abimelech says, what is this that you have done? Who's doing, who's saying this? Not pastor Abimelech. It is Abimelech a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Understand? So what is he doing? He's correcting him. So the second thing I know whether I'll get offended or not is when I take correction. How good am I to take feedback and correction? Feedback and correction. Feedback and correction. This is very important. Feedback and correction is the process in which I will turn that I into a C. And doesn't matter where that feedback comes from, I will still take it. Okay. As long as it is Biblical correction. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That is the reason why, you know, in Psalm 145, the wounds of the person who is correcting me is like what? Is like anointing oil, he says. Okay. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy's kisses is what? He multiplies. Gives you a lot of kisses. Flatters you. 20-30 Proverbs. Lashes and wounds. What do they do? They scar evil. And what do beatings do? Cleanse the... What do we need? What do we need? We need death. So wounds and scourgings, what do they do? They go to the deepmost part. They go to the reason. They they go to the the reason for the problem and they cleanse that innermost part so that you have depth, so that you will not have reasons to get offended and fall. So happy is the man who gets corrected and who obliges to that correction and he makes course corrections according to the feedback that has been given. Understand? Okay. So lashes and wounds are important. That is the reason why it says don't despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest when he corrects you. For whom the Lord loves, what does he do? He chastens. It is through the process of chastening you become from I to C. Chastening is very important. Disciplining is very important. If a man loves his son, what what does he do? He disciplines him often, it says. And if you hate your son, you don't do anything to him. Understand that? Proverbs chapter 28 verse 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor when? After. You know, when we will, when Pastor James will find favor in our eyes when we reach eternity. Now you will not know. 
There is an after, but that's the reason why Jesus tells Peter. Peter is, Jesus is very seriously is washing the disciples' feet. Peter says, no, 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 Lord. Can't, you can't wash me like right now. No, no, no. If you, if I don't wash you now, you will have no part in me. What I am doing, you will not understand now, but you will understand later. Afterward, you will understand. This process of cleansing and washing and everything is a very, very dirty process, but you have to go through this process because you will understand only afterwards. Okay? I'll tell you honestly, now, when we were studying in our engineering, so many subjects... We are saying, why are we studying these things? And then we finished PhD also. And then after PhD, my friend and I, in the, we were having a uh, dis- discussion. That guy just graduated from IIT Kanpur. Now he, he just before he graduated, he came, he worked uh, in IIIT for a few months. And he was in my interview panel when I was going for a faculty interview. And he was the one who said, push Vijay for the faculty position. So I was there in the faculty because of him. And after six months he left, he went to, he got a seat in, I mean, he got a faculty position in IIT Indoor. So in the in the staff room we were having a discussion. He said, Vijay, both sare cheese na, main jab padh raha tha, mujhe kuch samajh mein nahi But abhi, now, I understand. Now, what, has, what did he do? B-Tech over. No, first of all, MPC over, hmm? intermediate over, did not understand. B-Tech over, did not understand. M-Tech over, did not understand. PhD over, did not understand. Now teaching, understanding little, little. Understanding now. Oh, that one. That, ta, that, oh, that, yeah, now, you know, that is what is happening now. I'm, 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 I'm understanding now, now. So that's what he's saying. Afterward, in the, in the, in the, for the, for the time being, you're a monster. But now, after that, thank you, master. From monster to master. Thank you for disciplining me. That day, when you stand before it, before God in eternity, and if you have submitted to the teaching from the pulpit, and you will say, thank you, Pastor James. That day you told this, and I took, made course corrections. Now I understand. If I wouldn't have obeyed you then, yes, I went through painful process. I lost a lot of friends. Temporary, I, tempor- I lost a lot of temporary things. So many misunderstandings in my family and friends. But now, I thank you. I thank you. You'll thank your pastor. For sure. For sure. If you, we all make it to heaven. And this is an if. Okay. Don't be very sure. Sure. Okay. We have to make every effort to make our calling and our election. Sure, Baba. So he, he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward. Because cleansing goes into the deeper most parts than he who flatters with the tongue. Yo, you're also like that. I'm also like that. We're all like that. We're in the same boat. God understands. Gone. You are gone. You are gone. Both of you will share the next position in hell. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Neighbors in hell. If you make it. If you don't make it to the other side. Look at another verse. Proverbs chapter 29. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a what? And what happens when you, when you spread sanat? You will stumble. You'll get offended. And that is the reason why he tells, you know what, uh, uh, Jesus tells Peter, uh, Judas, 
Betrayest thou the son of man with a what? With a kiss. Kiss. Kisses will betray. Ultimately. You know something? When in the in Romans chapter 3, when he's describing sin, he makes a very powerful statement. He says, the poison of asps is where? On your lips. Where is the, where is the, where is the poison of asps? Asps is on your lips. Now think, picture this, okay? Luke's Gospel chapter 7. This lady who's a sinner goes to the Pharisee's house, Simon, Simon the Pharisee's house. And what is happening? She is behind the feet of Jesus, weeping. Tears are falling. And what does she do? She she wipes the the tears with her with her hair. And what does she, what, what does she do next? She kisses the feet of Jesus. Why the feet? My question is, why the feet? You know something, in, it says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, it says, you, he shall, you, he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his what? Heel. You know what the word, word for heel in the, in the Hebrew is? His footprint. And it was because Satan bruised Jesus in the heel, on the footprint, he consumed the poison of sin on the cross, so the poison can go out of your lips. And now she's kissing the feet of Jesus and saying, thank you Jesus for cleansing my lips. The cause of sin is gone. Because you know what Isaiah says? He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Who can deliver me? Why is me I am undone? And she kisses the feet of Jesus. Saying, you know what? On the cross, Jesus, when the serpent bruised you, the poison of asp was taken away. And now I can express each other. You know what, what Paul tells the church in Corinth? Treat each other with a what? With a holy kiss. My kiss has become holy. You know why? Because you took away the poison of asps from my lips. My dear brothers and sisters, the cross is the game changer. The game changer. That is the reason why Paul says, the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross. What has happened in the last days? People have become enemies of the cross. I mean, that description is powerful for me. She's kissing the feet of Jesus. And saying, thank you Lord. My kisses are no longer flattering kisses. The kisses to express love and holiness. I'm telling you, my dear brothers, the cross, what it has done, is remarkable. Every cause of stumbling and offense has been taken away upon the cross. Therefore, you know why? Because he has done that, you know what you, you and I can do? You know that Jesus loves you. You can take correction willfully. And you say, no, it doesn't matter who corrects me. If you correct me in front of people, you correct me in secret. I am dead. There's no cause of offense to me now in my, in my heart. You know why? I'm not looking for positions. Galatians chapter 2. 
Look at two apostles. One went wrong, the other corrected. Both were dead. And when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. He withstood him and he said, you know, Peter, this is wrong. I don't want to flatter you. I don't want to say, oh, great apostle. No, 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 Peter, this is wrong. I'm telling you the blessing of people who can come to you in your life and say, Vijay, this is wrong. You know what you should do? You should kiss them and say, thank you for showing me this in my life. You know why? Before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles and when they came, he withdrew and separated himself fearing those who were of the circumcision and the rest of the Jews also played the what with him? The hypocrite with him? So that even Barnabas was carried away. So you know what he did? He confronted him. You know why? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, my dear brothers and sisters. Why is why should Isaac be corrected, and why should he become a person who will accept correction, even if it is from the person who's like Abimelech? He's Abimelech. He's a person of the world. He's a person of the flesh, but he still has to accept correction from him. You know why? Because there's somebody who's weaker alongside him. Who's that person who's weaker? Who's the person who's weaker alongside Isaac now? Tell me. His wife. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter three verse seven. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. With wives, giving honor to the wife as to a what? As to a weaker people. You know what? If you have to be corrected, you know why? Because there will be in your life people who are weaker in spiritual things than you. And you should not become a cause of what? Offense to them. First Corinthians chapter 8. But was 12 onwards. But when you thus sin against the brother and wound their weak conscience and sin against Christ, you see that? You sin against who? You sin against Christ. You know, Isaac, in calling your sister, your, I mean, your wife, your sister, you should have actually said, you know what, kill me first, and then you'll touch my wife. You should have laid down your life for her. You know, one of the things I'll, I, I really appreciate, sometimes when I discuss with pastor, he said, you know, Vijay, I keep a lot of people away from this because I want to protect them. Let it fall upon me. That is a shepherd. Because there are weaker vessels. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, what will I do? I will never again eat meat. Can you believe that? Oh my goodness. Look at this decision of this guy. This kosher eating Jew. To get a Brahmin convert, he will, he's deciding to eat sambar for the rest of his life. Think about that. Lest I make my brother stumble. Romans chapter 14. Look at what it says, the principle. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another, not bring them, bring them down. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with Offense. It is not good either to eat meat or drink nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And therefore he says, Romans chapter 15, we then who are strong ought to bear with the water of the weak, with the scruples, they are inscrupulous, let us be, <laughs> let us bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Let each of us please his neighbor and not his for his good, leading to edification for even Christ did not please himself. You'll see that one man in the sake of, in the, look, look at this. I'll give you an example. Daniel. I will not defy myself. He's a strong believer. Who's Daniel? A, man, a spiritual man. What is he? A spiritual man judges all things. What does Daniel mean? My judge is God. Daniel. My judge is God. Meaning I am allowing God to judge everything in my life. I'm a strong believer. Even if I eat Babylonian, Babylonian food, it may not affect me because I'm strong in the spirit. But you know what? There are weaker brothers. Weaker brothers. My purpose is to make the weaker brothers strong. And, and I should not become a cause for stumbling for them. They should become strong. They should come to a point where even if I am not there in their lives, they're able to make strong stands based upon their convictions. And they will not get offended. And they will not stumble. Because the fire is coming. The fire of testing. The Nebuchadnezzar of this world will make the temperature seven times over. What will happen to my brothers who are not strong? I, Daniel, have to take a stand now in terms of food. I have to take a stand. Look at what he says. But Daniel purposed in his heart. And then you know what happens? And the chief of the eunuchs said... This, 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 and verse 11. So Daniel said to the stewards, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. What has happened? The moment he takes a stand, three weaker brothers says, you know what? We were just wondering who will take a stand. If Daniel would have eaten, I would have also eaten. But because Daniel took a stand, we are going to take a stand now. We are going to take a stand. Naughty brothers, you people who are spiritually strong, you watch movies and stupid things on YouTube. And you say, you know what, I'm a strong brother. They examine their appearance. Verse 13. Ten times better. Look at this now. Look at this guys now. They are all by themselves. Daniel is not there in the picture. Daniel is taken away for some kind of a, uh, for a, for an, for a, for a, for a, for an official errand. He's not there. Nebuchadnezzar erects his statue. Everybody has to bow now. But because Daniel took a stand, these brothers, because of the, the sacrifice of the elder brother who judged himself, now he has become strong. They have strong convictions now. You know what happens now? Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Said, the, said to the king, it is not Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Said to the king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know why? If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he, us from the burning, for burning furnace, and he will deliver us from your, from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known, O king. We will not bow down. You know why? You know, because we have an elder brother who taught us to stand strong on our convictions. And we will not get offended now. And we will not stumble in the time of our testing. You know why? Because we have an elder brother who stopped the mouth of the lions. And now we have the strength to quench the violence of the fire. What did I say? What did I say? We had an elder brother who stopped the mouth of the lions and therefore we have the faith which will quench the violence of the fire. 
I'm not saying that. Hebrews chapter 11. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. Who stopped the mouth of lions? Daniel. And who quenched the violence of fire? Shut that Michigan. You see the order? It is not the order, chronological order, which is enumerated in the, in the, in the book of Daniel. This is spiritual order. You know why? Because one man said, Daniel, I'm gonna judge myself. Even in the small area, I will not stumble, I will not cause my brothers to stumble. They're looking for some brothers looking, you know what? I have this conviction in my heart, I should not touch this food. But is there anybody who's gonna, who's willing to take a stand? And they say, Daniel, brother, I have not have the strength. Thank you for not becoming a source of stumbling block to me. Where are the Daniels? Where are the Daniels? John chapter, John chapter 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Look at this, this, these statements, my dear brothers. You know, when you read these statements, you should get fever. What should you get? Fever. Temperature has to increase. Look at this. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. So, so in order to do that, and for their sakes, what do I do? I sanctify myself. Who is this Jesus? Has to sanctify himself for the sake of the church. Yes, he did. He did it. He showed us a path. So that he will not become a source of stumbling to us. Because the temperature is going to increase in the last days. Seven, seven times the temperature will increase. Where are the Daniels who will mentor the Hananias, the Mishals and the Azariahs of this generation? Look at another man. Now those guys in the midst of, the Daniel is not there now they took a stand. There was another guy, no he teaches his teacher now. What does he do? He's teaching his teacher. Who's that person? I'll, t- I'll show you. Second Samuel chapter 11. Tell me. Tell me. Nah, very good. Then David sent to Joab, <coughs> Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David sent to, said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food was going. <laughs> you think I'm going to compromise now? You are causing me, king, you are the person who brought me to the Lord. You are the one who taught me the word. You are the one who gave me the Psalms. You are the one who said, you know what, stand for God. Now you want, you want me to compromise? I'm going to teach you, teacher. I'm not going to judge you. But I'm just going to make a statement of my convictions. I'm not going to judge you. It's not me to judge you. But these are my convictions. I'm I'm not going to compromise it. Because these are no longer your convictions. They have become what? My convictions now. 2 Samuel chapter 11. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to the house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go to his house, David said to Uriah, did not you come from a journey? Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? You look at his answers. King, I don't want to judge you. These are my convictions. So when they told, sorry, there's a verse. Okay. And Uriah said to David, the ark that you brought with all this paraphernalia, you stumbled and fell, you 
when Uzziah, Uzziah was killed and you brought with such tremendous, tremendous worship, you were undignified before the throne of God. You were, I saw your worship, I saw your convictions, I saw your love for this God and I said, this Lord is going to be my God. And that ark is dwelling in tents. Judah is dwelling, dwelling in tents. My Lord Job and the servants of my Lord are encamped in, encamped in open doors. How do you think I'm going to sleep with my wife now? What am I going to do? As you live. Look at this. As you live and as your soul lives. I'm not going to do this thing. You know what? David must have looked at this guy and you should say, my God, Lord, you're teaching me through this guy. Come on, pretend. The one who's being betrayed is teaching the betrayer loyalty. Where are the loyal people? You know, these these things fire me up. You know why? Because I look at my own heart and I say, Lord, I'm not there. I want to be like that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 onwards. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around the neck and he would be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but don't you be the instrument for offenses to come. If you, therefore what should you do? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eyes causes you to sin, pluck them out. If your legs cause you to sin, Chop them off. Tell me, Akila, this fractured hand, how did it affect your soul and your spirit? Is a question. This is okay. But there are cracks in your soul. God help us. Seven times it is going to be hidden, my dear brothers. Do you have the conviction? Do you have the strength? Or will you get offended and betray? You know why? There is a fire which is seven times. And if you want to quench, you know what it says? By faith, they quench the violence of the fire. The word for violence is very powerful in the, in the Greek. It says, dunamis, the dynamite of the fire. You know what? Why? How could they quench the dynamite of the fire? Because there was a fire burning inside of their heart. Fire, fuck fire. And that is the reason why Jeremiah said, you know what? In my, is in my bones? Fire in my bones. Are we offended? Let's stop here. Let's all stand up for you. There's so many things which I wanted to share. But we'll stop here today because we have less time, but we'll think, no? We'll stand up for the presence of the Lord. Presence of the Lord. You know why I tell all this? Because we have a generation of young children whom God has given us in our church. And we are accountable for them. It's imperative for us to take them onto the other side. And not become stumbling blocks for them.
to live a life like Daniel's before them. So that like Paul will have confidence. Not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. You will stand strong on your convictions. Because the father's convictions have become your convictions. And there is fire in your heart. And the furnace can go seven times. But I will fight fire with fire. Because Daniel's convictions has become my convictions. He never stumbled. He never caused us to stumble. So this morning let us ask God. The grace. The grace. Say Lord. In your heart. Say Lord. Jesus have mercy upon us. As a church Lord. Have mercy upon us Lord. If you have become a source of stumbling for younger people, have mercy upon us. If our actions have caused others to stumble, have mercy upon us. Enable us to be like Daniel. And not like Isaac, who didn't care for his wife, the weaker vessel. He did not understand. That his compromises are going to sow the discords of, 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 of division in his marriage. The seeds of discord and division in his marriage will start then because he compromised at the most important juncture in his life. Because there is a weaker vessel. Who did not have mentors like Abraham? Who had Labans as mentors? But yet followed God and your God and followed this leading of the Holy Spirit and came and joined himself or herself with you. It is incumbent upon you, Isaac. That you will say, Lord, let me die. Let me pick up my cross. Let me deny myself. So that I can strengthen the weaker vessels under my authority. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy upon us as a church, as individuals, as families, O Lord. That we became familiar, like we heard on Friday, with the pulpit, with the person. And we are offended. So easily. Let us not become source of offense. Enable us to deal with offense in our own hearts. Because the last days are there when the testings will be even more intense. And many will be offended and will betray one another is what your word says. But Lord, enable us not to fulfill that part of scripture. But let us be like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah who will stand strong for their convictions. And like Uriah, if need be, will teach their teachers too if they go wrong. Not judging them, but with a spirit of meekness. By stating and living out their own convictions even before them. To that that end, I pray that you would bless us, Lord, as a church. Blessed is the man, your word says, who is not offended because of me. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Have mercy upon us as a church. Teach us. I thank you Lord for our pulpit. I especially want to thank you for my pastor. Who stood strong for 14 years Lord. I pray Lord Jesus you would continue to bless our shepherd, that he will continue to lead us. And Lord, this pulpit will never, ever be compromised. Oh, Jesus, 
Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for Pastor James. Thank you, Father, for Sister Elsa. Pour out your blessings upon them even more. Bless them and keep them. They spoke the truth into our lives with love. But it was good. We may not understand it now, but afterward, Lord, we will understand. We will. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for this day. And even as your children go into another week, enable us, Lord Jesus, not to stumble and not to become a source of stumbling to others. But let us walk in our convictions. Therefore, help us, Lord, we pray. We can't do it in our own strength. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. And all God's children said, Amen. Have a blessed time of fellowship and edify one another. Amen. Very difficult to say Amen, but it's okay. Say Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.